Welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and made possible by the Indiana Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. Once a month, we'll spotlight the many efforts around Indiana by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. Here's the host of the Hat Soil Health Podcast, Eric Pfeiffer. This is the Hat Soil Health Podcast, and we're coming to you on location this time from Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Glad to have you along. And the Hat Soil Health Podcast is brought to you by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana. And I'm joined now by Rick Clark from Williamsport, Indiana. And Rick is being honored here in Orlando uh, by the American Soybean Association with the Conservation Legacy Award. And uh, Rick, first off, congratulations. It's, uh, I'm sure, quite an honor to receive that distinction from the American Soybean Association. Talk a little bit about what it means for you personally. You Obviously, you know, just like every farmer, put so much into your field, your land, the whole operation, that, that getting this kind of distinction has to feel pretty darn good. Oh, I am so overwhelmed and honored with this. It, it is unbelievable. Uh, there are so many people out there doing good things like I'm doing, and for me to be picked, uh, it, it just it's it's more than I can almost almost handle. Um, I've worked very hard in my career to be a good steward of the land and to be a regenerative type farmer and to be a conservationist. And I am so honored that, that I can be recognized on the national level. It, it means so much to me and my family farm. So, Rick, let, let's kind of take a step back here and let's talk about where this all started. Uh, why did you decide to, to become a conservationist and do this with the land? Uh, we hear somewhat similar stories, but it's always interesting to hear from farmers why it is you, you made this conscious decision to go this route. It's uh, it, it's one of, of conservation. I was tired of constantly beating the soil to death with tillage and on a three to four inch rain event, watch it wash away. And I said, there has to be a better way. And 15 years ago, we started no-tilling soybeans with a, with a John Deere air seeder. Um, that then evolved into... Uh, no-tilling corn and then at the same time we started to no-till corn we introduced cover crops and we are currently a hundred percent cover crop and a hundred percent no-till the times that we will till are only there's only two situations where I will till and that's if we've we've recently tiled a field with drainage tile and we need to work out the ruts that were created in that process. And we have alfalfa in our rotation, so I will use a little vertical tillage to just get the seed bed prepped for an alfalfa seeding. Other than that, we will do nothing as far as tillage is concerned. Our goal on our farm is to build soil health. And we feel that to build soil health the most efficient and and quickest way we possibly can is to eliminate all tillage. Now, that's just one aspect. We are 100% non-GMO. So, with that being said, we don't use any starter fertilizer on our corn. 
We don't use any seed treatments on corn or soybeans. We don't use any fungicides, and we don't use any insecticide on our corn. So I have, I have pared this thing down to the bare bones here. We are a low-cost input producer that cares about building soil health, and our yields are still on the incline. So we have not suffered anything from making the move to this type of a, of a I call it a systematic approach to regenerative farming is what I call it. And I assume that by, by doing that, and you say your yields are on the incline, when, when you really think about it and, and you're conserving this, I assume that there's someone you're going to be handing this land off to at some point. And, and the hope is, the thought is, that this is going to remain sustainable and their yields will be on the incline, while maybe in the future some others who aren't doing these practices might very well be on the decline. That's exactly correct. We are trying to build a, a farming operation, a family farming operation. I'm the fifth generation farmer, and I want the sixth generation, the seventh, and the eighth to be able to take where, where we've brought this farm to today and continue on. And I feel like that gives us the best chance of doing that is the, is the practices that we're, we're using currently of sustainable, regenerative, um, building soil health, and just working with Mother Nature. I like to uh, call it, uh, we're, we're heading for what I call balance. We're, we're bringing Mother Nature in. We're, we're trying to build a symbiotic relationship. And if you just slow down a little bit, and pay attention to what Mother Nature has to tell you, you can then see what she's saying and saying, what you're doing is wrong here. The reason why you need to use traits or insecticide to take care of rootworm is because whatever species preys on rootworm is not there, it's out of balance. Once we get the system in balance, you don't need the insecticide. You don't need the, seed, the, the traits in the seed corn. As a result of, I mean, I, I speak a lot around not only the country, but I've, I've, even, I've spoken in, in Europe to farmers in Europe. I am totally transparent with everything I do. Currently on our farm, with the current prices of corn, our break-even yield is 147 bushel. I am, that, you can't believe how proud that makes me to, to, to say that. Because in this environment where everyone seems to be pushing on, how am I going to make more yield? How do I get more out of this acre? I'm trying to do it from the other end. I'm trying to be a low-cost input producer, be a good steward of the land, build soil health, and still be highly profitable. And that's what we're doing. Let's take it back a little bit. Obviously, you've been at this a little while. Where did we start? When you started out, everyone kind of says, start small. How did you get started? What were some of the planning things that you did to really get this operation started from your end? All right, I'll be honest with you. There, there, there's things in your community that you need to be aware of, and you need to seek out people that are, are either doing what you're doing or doing something similar to what you want to do. The person in my community that I really got my start from was Dan DeSutter. He's a, a farmer from Attica, Indiana. He and I have been very good friends ever since uh, we were child, childhood days. Um, 
he has been a long time no tiller cover cropper i was able to get get control of the farm uh, a few years ago and once we took once i got the 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 say so in the majority of the acres i knew this is the way we had to go and you you are correct the things that i'm doing today are very advanced but if you're going to start you need to start easy and what i mean by that is plant a a species of cover crop that will winter kill. For example, if you're going to have a field that you know is going to be planted to corn in 2020, in the fall of, of 2019, my suggestion would be, assuming you have time before the first frost comes, plant some peas, or I'm sorry, some uh, oats and some sorghum sudan and some radish. The reason why I picked those three items is, for one, they all three do something different. One's a scavenger, one uh, takes care of compaction, and one helps build mycorrhizal fungi. But the other thing that's important about that cocktail combination is all three of those species will winter kill. So if you're new to this game, you can get the feel for the cover crops in the fall. Then when the, win- the freeze of the winter comes, they will kill these cover crops you come out next spring and you no-till your corn into the residue that's left. My challenge here would be take a small field, a 40, a 60, an 80-acre field, cut it in half, try it my way with uh, the oats, the sorghum sudan, and the radish in the fall, and do it their way on the other half. And then in the spring, no-till the corn, do your tillage on the other half, your whatever your normal system is, and treat each system the same from that point on and just see now my system may not out yield you but that's not what i'm about i'm not about yield i'm about return on investment so now take a look at what did it cost the farmer to farm his way the conventional way per acre and then figure out what he sold his grain for and get to a return on an investment versus my method, you're going to see that my method is going to have a higher, stronger return on investment. This is the Hat Soil Health Podcast brought to you by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, and I'm with Rick Clark from Williamsport, Indiana, being honored by the American Soybean Association with their uh, Legacy Conservation Award, uh, the awards banquet on Friday night here in Orlando from uh, from Commodity Classic. And you kind of hit the nail on the head there with, with ROI. Everyone's concerned about ROI right now. 2018 was tough. Sounds like 2019 is going to be tougher. If we can't get some trade things figured out, 2020 may be even worse. So from an ROI standpoint, can you give us some numbers? Can, can you talk a little bit about you know, some of the specifics behind that and, and what it is you're seeing as, as you know, some other folks may not be seeing because of all the uh, the the input that they have to put into theirs. Right. the The main thing that that I'm very fortunate. I I'm very fortunate on where I'm located, West Central Indiana. I have a dairy in my backyard that I work with, so this puts me an advantage to over a lot of people. I I know that. So certain portion of our farm is dedicated to this dairy. Those acres have a different. ROI than our outlier acres that aren't associated with the dairy. I'm today going to talk about the outlier acres because that's going to hit the 
hit with more people. We are also fortunate in the fact that I live in an area where there there are non-GMO markets. So I am being paid a premium to raise non-GMO crops. I never thought I would say this in my lifetime. We had Roundup soybeans in 1997. That's not that long ago. And here we are, 22, 23 years later, and I'm being paid a premium to raise non-GMO crops. To me, that tells me that there's something wrong with the current system. Now, I'm not saying that my systematic approach cannot work with traded corn and soybeans. It can. I prefer not to. I want to be non-GMO. I want to be as close to Mother Nature as I can. And also, the dairy that I'm supplying to is a non-GMO dairy. So it just fit to take the whole farm non-GMO. Now, return on investments. We are seeing numbers in a range of 12% to 65% returns on investment. Depends on the crop rotation we're in, the market that we're in, and what kind of, of yield we had. But yield, you will rarely hear me talk about yield. I care more about building the soil health and and being a good steward than I do anything. I will jeopardize yield if it means spraying a pyrethroid because I will not spray a pyrethroid because it's going to target one pest, let's say an army worm. Okay, it's going to kill the army worm, and it's also going to kill 800 other beneficial species that I don't want to kill. So I am at the far end of the spectrum here as far as as being uh, a regenerative type farmer. With Rick Clark, Williamsport, Indiana farmer, being honored by the American Soybean Association here at Commodity Classic in Orlando, I'm Eric Pfeiffer, and this Hat Soil Health podcast brought to you by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. So let's just talk a little bit about this process of being awarded. What had to, what what went into this? Were you nominated by someone? Just just talk about this process because obviously this is a this is a big deal and really really is a great honor. Uh, so so how did all this come about? This is a huge honor. I, again, I, I cannot I cannot thank everyone who's helped me get to this point. Um, there are several organizations involved here. Um, probably the two biggies are are CCSI and the Nature Conservancy. Um, I want to get a plug out to both of those organizations. Uh, Seth Harden with the Nature Conservancy nominated me uh, for this award. And uh, the reason why Seth nominated me for this award was because I have worked with the Nature Conservancy on a local watershed project in our community. And we both know how important uh, a watershed project can be for the conservation of a local community. As we continued to work together, Seth got to know our farming operation more and more. He realized what what we were doing, how in-depth we are, how much care we take into this. That's when he decided to nominate me for this award. Seth and I spent a day, and he basically just downloaded my hard drive. And then, then when he gathered all the information that I had to give, he filled the application out. We both filled it out together. 
and that application was submitted, and lo and behold, I was chosen as the Northeast Regional winner. And and I have to give uh, Lisa Holscher and her group at CCSI, uh, Conservation Cropping Systems of Indiana, they have done so much in this arena of regenerative ag. Um, I, I always kid Lisa because she is in communication with some of the most elite farmers in the state of Indiana, period. And it is such a pleasure to work with that group. Rick Clark, congratulations again. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Orlando uh, and, and really do enjoy the awards banquet Friday night. Eric, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I hope, to, hope we can do this again. Thank you. Absolutely. This has been the Hat Soil Health Podcast presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. We'll do it again next month. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. This is Who's Your Rag Today, Indiana's leading farm network.